Hello everyone, and welcome to the BS Book Club. I once again am your host, Bartleby Jones. And, you know, last week's episode ended with one of our main characters having a gun put in its face, so I feel like it's important we just jump into the story, so let's get into it. And I hope you enjoy this week's episode of the BS Book Club. Chapter 11. Happiness is... What? Scotty asks, his eyes fixated on the gun that lay before him. He knows too much. We can't let him out of here alive, Scotty's father remarked sharply. So your choices are to lock him in that closet behind you and let him starve, or kill him now. I figured you'd want the kindest option. None of these options are kind, Blake screams out, resisting against his shackles. I won't tell a soul. I have no one to tell. Come on. Dad, this is my best friend, Scotty remarks, reaching for the gun. He's my brother. I know, son. Scotty studies the gun, readying to toss it to the side. I can't imagine what you must be going through. Then let me live, Blake urges as Scotty suddenly turns the gun on him. What? Scotty? You're my brother, and I love you. Scotty mournfully cocks the gun as Blake stares at him in shock. I'm sorry. Blake screams as Scotty pulls the trigger, only to be silenced by a click. The gun's barrel spun in place as the hammer descended down onto an empty chamber. Blake stares, breathing heavily, as Scotty slowly lowers the gun, staring at it, confused. Excellent work, my son! The man on the screen laughs as Scotty stares at the gun that would have ended his friend. You've passed test one. The test of loyalty to the middlemen. Unfortunately, you failed test two. Always make sure the gun is loaded. Scotty opens the gun to reveal six empty chambers. He sighs as the shackles come loose from Blake's wrists, leaving red marks indented into his skin. He rubs his wrists and looks up at the screen, which now shows a mission debriefing in Scotty's father in the bottom corner. Sorry about that, Blake. Just had to make sure my boy was solid. Scotty's father laughs as Blake clears his throat. No problem, Blake responds sarcastically. One of the robot hands deliver him a beer as an apology. Now, son, I've seen the man who's after you, and I know what he's after. Scotty's father clicks to another screen as Scotty reaches back for the bag. This bag thing? Scotty responds as his father turns around concerned. Bag thing? He replies with a raised eyebrow. What bag thing? Some mystical bag. It gives its holder the ability to pull out whatever he wishes. Scotty responds as his father turns to a nearby computer frantically typing. Uh, basic stuff, really. Blake tacks on to Scotty's description. Does the bag say anything? He asks quizzically. Anywhere, anything. I need more information than just, it's a bag. Um, Scotty examines the bag closely. Red leather decorated the outside, giving it a classy exterior. He looks it over as Blake finishes his beer, only to have another delivered by robots. Finally, Scotty finds one word at the base of the bag. Morpheus, Scotty says. It's written at the bottom of the bag. Uh, like the Matrix guy? Well, 
This is either going to be very good or tremendously bad. Scotty's father replies as his son stares at the bag confused. Either way, you cannot let that bag fall back into Morpheus's hands. You mean Phil? Blake asks, connecting the dots. Yes, Phil, he comments as he searches through his notes for the bag of Morpheus. The Grecians called these guys gods. I just know they're people that don't need to be on Earth. Their personalities are too volatile, and if provoked, it could lead to a battle that destroys us all. Like Ethan, Blake comments quietly. Ethan? Scotty's father stares up, confused. He's just this guy I met at the bar we went to, Blake comments. He got into a fight with a bartender. I I passed out before I saw anything happen. Other than this bright flash of light. Was the bartender's name Rebus, by any chance? He growls as he asks this question, seemingly already knowing the answer. Um, Blake stares at the red-faced man, his blood pressure rising with anger. Possibly? Oh, that's not good. He quickly jumps back into his notes. That, that's that's not good at all. Those two should be separated at all times. They shouldn't be able to just roam free. I mean, the door should have been locked. Only a middleman would have been able to open it. You don't say, Scotty asks nervously, rubbing his middleman badge between his fingers. What about the son of a middleman? Well, they would assumedly be considered a middleman through legacy, if nothing else. I mean, that would mean they... Scotty's father interrupts himself, piecing things together. His eyes grow wide. Scotty? Did you open the door? Do you want the truth or a lie? Scotty! His father growls at him. That door was locked for a reason. The worst of the worst were to stay in there and you let them free. Tell me, did you at least shut the door before you left? I... I can't remember. Scotty comments mournfully. To be fair, I was pretty drunk and I left late. The bar was pretty much empty at that point. So, oh no, the bar was pretty much empty at that point. Well, that solves half the mystery, but the real question remains. His father sighs, staring at his notes. Who opened the other door? There's another place like that? Blake asks, half nervously and half excited that there's another location with such an exorbitant liquor collection. Many of the old gods had vicious counterparts, the man on the screen explained. Sol had Luna, Zeus had Hades, and Ether, or as you may better know him, Ethan had Erebus, two sides violently opposed to one another, but necessary for existence. You can't have the day without the night. You can't have light without the dark. They're both necessary to have, but violently reactive when put together. That's why the middleman took it upon themselves to shut them away. We took the yin and separated it away from the yang, lest they interact and kill us all. But now that both doors are open... We're on a timer. We have to somehow throw them back into their prisons. We have to stop them before it's too late. Because with personalities as violent as theirs, it'll lead to a war soon enough. And our world, our world will be their battleground. Chapter 12, All-American Nightmare. 
Well, that's just not good at all, Blake quietly comments as Scotty muses over the fact that he's unleashed an army of violent gods onto the world. Son, Scotty looks up as his father calls out to him. Don't worry over what you've done. We can capture them again. We've done it before. Besides, we know you weren't the first to unleash them. Somebody had to have went after the first door. And I assume you saw the news report with Morpheus? Yeah, with that little rat thing? Scotty asks. What was that thing, anyways? His sister. He answers after a long pause. Blake and Scotty share confused looks as he continues. You see, they referred to Morpheus as the god of dreams. That's why your bag allows you the ability to obtain whatever you can dream of. The stronger your dream, the more stable the object. Well, Morpheus has two other siblings as well. Phantazos, the god of surreal dreams, and Favitor, the goddess of nightmares. The picture once again shrinks as the screen displays a close-up image of the horrifying creature they saw in the news. This is Favitor. You're telling me that thing is a goddess? Blake asks, confused. Well, yes and no. His screen returns to full size as he searches through his notes. You see, this was merely Favitor's disguise. Each of the three have different specialities in disguise. Morpheus specializes in human projection, hence his large frame. Phantazos specializes in inanimate objects like boulders or vehicles. I told you that truck was possessed or something, Blake quietly whispers to Scotty. It wasn't possessed, it was a god, Scotty fires back. Oh, I'm sorry, like I knew that a deity would take the form of a Chevy pickup. Gentlemen, please. Scotty quickly silences himself at his father's command. And the important one is Favitor. She can take the form of any beast, real or mythical. It helps her bring terror on others in the night. It's hard to track any of them down because their disguises are usually quite commonplace, but not tonight. You see, tonight, Favitor got cocky. She thought she'd really spook someone and brought out the big guns. The Chupacabra. And the minute we saw that on the news, we knew we had our chance. Her arrogance was surely going to be her downfall. Wait, how did you know it wasn't just a normal chupacabra? Scotty asks genuinely. What? Scotty's father seems genuinely confused at this question. Because chupacabras aren't real, son. Any of those myths, Loch Ness, Bigfoot, the Jersey Devil, they aren't real. Just Favitar deciding to have some fun. She made one wrong move, and it led to her capture. You actually have that thing in there? Blake asks, dumbfounded. Just for now, until we can move her upstate. He explains as the door behind him creaks open. That's where we're going to keep all these escapees until we can get them back into their safe houses. Locked away and safe. Dad? Scotty quietly comments as a large imposing shadow is cast on the wall behind him, featuring large spiked hair trailing down its slender back. Scotty breathes heavily, attempting to get his father's attention. Dad? Dad! Son, please, this is important. He continues speaking as the figure makes its way into the room, pale-faced. A permanent smile is etched onto its skull as it slides into the room slowly. Each movement is jarring, like watching a video skip. 
Now you're going to need the location of the base. Uh, as a middleman, you need to... Dad, turn the fuck around. Scotty screams as the beast approaches his father, leaning its crooked head over his shoulder, bearing its multiple layers of sharpened teeth. Its wide eyes stare down at its prey, unblinking. Drool covers its crooked smile as it licks its lips. Son, don't worry. I know. He says with a smirk as he quickly picks up a gun and puts it to the throat of the beast, pulling the trigger and blasting its head away. Scotty sighs a sigh of relief as the monster falls against the back wall, headless. Looks like I need me a better cage. Anyways, as I was saying about the base, unfortunately that was the last sentence Scotty heard from his father. As the beast stood once again, black smoke pouring from its neck and quickly reforming into that same horrifying smile. With a quick pounce, it leapt onto Scotty's father. All that was heard was a quick scream, and then the screen went black. Fuck! Scotty screams, leaping from the couch. Computer, I need to save my dad! Initiating Salvation Protocol. A robotic voice called out when suddenly a large shelf flies in front of Scotty, featuring large weapons and an official middleman suit. It was a pair of deep purple coveralls with the middleman logo stitched onto the shoulder. Thank you, computer. Scotty comments as he quickly throws on the suit and fills its various pockets with the weapons given to him. He didn't know exactly how any of them worked, but he was going to be damned if he didn't figure it out. You know, I have a name, the computer calls out as Scotty continues getting ready. Your father named me Sue several years ago, and it is a name that I have come to respect. Thank you, Sue, Scotty groans, finally grabbing the bag of Morpheus to add to his repertoire. He knew that it would come in handy if nothing else did. As Scotty runs out of the door prepared to exit, he notices Blake standing, walking towards him. Blake, Blake, please. Scotty stops his friend, a hand on his chest. Don't try and be a hero. Oh, no, I wasn't planning on it, Blake replies matter-of-factly. I was just trying to- No, no, I understand, Scotty interrupts, sniffling lightly. I understand that I have this- this exciting- this exciting new stuff going on and you just want to be a part of it. I get it, Blake, but I can't have you getting hurt out there. Yeah... Yeah, you're right, Blake quietly groans. I should just stay here. It's going to be a hard life for me now. Scotty continues to monologue as Blake sighs, walking past him to his initial destination, the fridge to get a beer. I could die any day out there, but I can't put that burden on you, Blake. I just can't. Yeah, you know, I, I just got this beer, so... Blake pops the top on the can and sighs, drinking it. I really wish I could come, but I got this whole beer situation going on right now, so... I knew you'd understand. Scotty smiles, placing a hand on Blake's shoulder. With a quick turn, he faces the door and his destiny. He walks slowly, clad in purple jumpsuit, towards his car with only one goal in mind. To save his father. A note from Blake. Uh, yes, so Scotty definitely paid the writer $50 to make that sound cooler than it did. In all honesty, he was actually still pretty drunk off of moonshine at the time and just more stumbled out to his car. Actually, now that I think about it, I'm 
I don't think he even drove. I think he called like an Uber like two minutes before he left. Note from Scotty. Yeah, Blake's right. Chapter 13. Family Matters. Dad! Dad! Scotty yells, running towards his house, struggling to pull his keys out of his pocket. As he reaches the top step of his porch, however, the door opens. The person standing behind that door? Deborah Moore, his mother. Scotty stares up at her, confused. You don't have to yell, you know, she remarks as Scotty reaches her out of breath. Looking for Dad? Nah, just screaming out, Dad, because I want to, Mom, Scotty remarks back. The two spoke in the language of sarcasm and harsh words. Just, where is he? Out in the shed, why? She asks as Scotty bolts by her, a myriad of weapons decorating his back. Wait, what's going on? Don't worry about it, Mom, he calls back. Stay here for now. He dashes out to the shed with great force, quickly pulling a weapon off his back. While it was shaped like a normal gun, it was surprisingly light. He opens the door to the shed with great force, finding his father attempting to hold his own against the giant beast. Oh, thank God, his father answers with a smile. Toss me one of those, won't you? Yeah, that's right. Scotty smirks, tossing the gun to his father as he crosses by the monster who stares at him confused. Bet you didn't expect this. Well, someone's got backup and he's about to roast your pale ass. Damn right, Scotty's father remarks as he takes the safety off the gun, causing a loud whirring sound to go through the shed. The beast attempts to run out, but Scotty quickly shuts the door, forcing it to turn to see a gun pointed right at its face. With a quick pull of the trigger, Scotty's father suddenly hears a click. Uh, he squeezes the trigger again, only for the same clicks to sound. Hey, son, you brought ammo, right? Ammo? Suddenly, a large smile grows across the beast's face as it takes one of its long, slender arms and uses it to bat Scotty against the metal siding of the building, causing the entire shed to shake. It then turns its attention to Scotty's father, growling maliciously. Fevator, listen to me. We gave you refuge, he screams at the advancing monster. We gave you and all of your family refuge from those that wish to do you harm. We gave you the finest spirits, the greatest foods, and you're giving it all up. You're giving it up for what? You know, the food was nice, she growls quietly. Her voice was high-pitched, yet sinister. She seemed to hiss with every word. And the liquor was certainly appreciated. But you see, my family and I... We're dreamers, and dreamers don't want the best things. They want everything. And with that, a mighty swing of her hand sends him into the same wall that Scotty recently fell into. The dents of father and son decorate the wall as Fivator laughs, turning to face her prey. Scotty and his father scramble to their feet as Scotty clutches the bag of Morpheus behind his back. Ah, I see you have my brother's bag, she laughs, walking towards them. Why didn't you get any damned ammo? Scotty winces as his father growls at him. I I mean, I figured these were like energy weapons, Scotty quickly answers back. I mean, we're fighting gods. I didn't think bullets would come into play. 
Ah, they don't hurt too much, but they certainly are annoying. Fevator smirks as she corners the two men, ripping the bag of Morpheus away from Scotty. The two men are left with nothing. Ah, yes, I'm sure Philly will be happy to get this back. Yeah, I've got everything I need out of it anyways. Scotty responds with a smirk. Suddenly, the terrifying grin of Fevator subsides as she turns to face Scotty with a large Iron Man-like gauntlet on his arm. A bright light flashes inside of it as a loud whirring is heard. Oh, Scotty, she growls, her smile returning. Don't try to frighten me with that plaything. Morpheus already told me everything. He told me about your desperate attempts to be a superhero. He told me about your little nerf cannon there. He told me about everything. Before she can finish her sentence, a large burst of energy comes flying from Scotty's wrist, knocking him against the wall and sending Fevator flying back against the metal of the shed. The beam burns into her, causing her to scream in pain, releasing the bag from her grasp. Like that? Scotty smirks, walking towards her. He snatches the bag off the ground and puts it around his shoulder, as Fevator falls to the ground, writhing in pain. Yeah, I thought you would. You see, I'm getting pretty good with this bag here. Now, Phoebe... Can I call you Phoebe? I'm sorry, Fevator. It's just such a bad name, and I'm getting tired of hearing it. A note from the author, I was getting tired of writing it, to be honest. And actually, note from the audiobook producer, I was getting tired of reading it. So, so Phoebe, here's the deal. You fucked with my family. You fucked with my father. So now, he smirks, lifting his arm. Phoebe winces as she feels her demise approaching. The beam before her begins to glow brighter and brighter, charging to kill. Now I get to fuck with you. The beam charges to full capacity when suddenly it fades away. In fact, Scotty feels the cold air around him begin to strike against his bare arm as the entire gauntlet begins to disappear into dust. Phoebe's wounds begin to regenerate as she laughs, standing in front of the panicked Scotty. Oh, Scotty boy, what's that old saying? She smiles as Scotty grabs at the dust, attempting to reclaim the gauntlet. His attempts were logically, but unfortunately, fruitless. An eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. Well, my boy, it seems you want to start trading eyes for eyes, and believe me, I can too. She grabs his arm roughly. Because before we ever fucked with you or daddy dearest back there, you fucked with my brother. With our friend, you entered our world and stole what was ours. I'm just here to get it back. She smiles as she twists Scotty's arm, nearly snapping it in two. He screams in pain as his body doubles over. She kicks him in the ribs and drops him to his knees. Why don't you look over at Daddy Dearest over there and tell him one last goodbye? Or you could always pick on the real problem here. She hears Scotty's father call from behind. She looks back to discover him slowly making his way to his feet. He wipes away a drip of blood from his mouth and continues. I did this to you. I did this to all of you. You want revenge? Come get it. He picks up an old pipe off the ground and stumbles over to her weakly. She smirks and tosses Scotty to the floor. 
The two meet in the middle of the shed, two behemoths, in rank and in power. Scotty looks up to watch as his father begins the battle. His last battle. Chapter 14. Passing the Torch Getting ballsy in your old age, are you? Phoebe laughs maniacally as she licks her sharpened teeth. Scotty watches as his father grips the rusted pipe tightly. You could say that, he replies with a cough, then promptly slams her to the wall, pipe placed against her throat. The beast doesn't seem to put up much of a struggle as the pipe tightens into its esophagus. But in all honesty, you and I both know I wouldn't have gotten to this old age if I wasn't this ballsy. Well, you know, one day that luck's gonna run out. Phoebe smiles wickedly as her body turns into thick smoke, pouring out of the ground beneath them and forming into the shape of a long python. She attempts to slither away, but he quickly grabs her by the tail, lifting her into the air. Oh, come now, you should know better than this. Suddenly, her form shifts once again into a large, horrifying tiger. Her fur stands on end as she turns and swipes at his hand, cutting his arm open, forcing him to drop the pipe. Never grab a tiger by the tail. I am everything you hate. I am everything you fear. She smiles as he winces in pain, grabbing his wound. She corners him as she returns to her horrific humanoid form, black hair standing on end. I am the nightmare of the middlemen. So leave him alone. Scotty's father cries out, pointing at his son. She seems taken aback at this request, her eyes widening. You want revenge on the middlemen, not him. He's just a legacy. He has nothing to do with this. Oh, for Zeus's sake, you're already at the bargaining level? I really expected a bigger fight from you. Here, here is this easier? She suddenly transforms into the shape of a small chupacabra, the form he caught her in not hours prior. Come on, fight me. I expect the middleman's top agent to give more than this. Oh, believe me, all the fight that was left in me is standing right behind you. She turns to face Scotty, pipe in hand. He swings wildly, only for her to once again disappear into a cloud of smoke and appear behind him in the form of a gargantuan wolf. Just a legacy, huh? She growls, ripping the middleman pin off of Scotty's jumpsuit, crushing it in her hands. Certainly seems skilled for a legacy. I've kind of just been improving this whole thing, to be honest. I'm, I'm not really sure what I'm doing here. Scotty comments, his voice shivering with fear as she approaches him, her large feet causing the earth to shake. She smiles, drool dripping down her lips when she pulls back a giant claw to strike. Suddenly, Scotty feels himself shoved away by his father, who steps in front of the beast, taking the brunt of the attack. His body flies into a nearby shelving unit, collapsing in a pool of blood. The beast smirks and stomps her foot one more time, causing the earth to shake just enough for that massive shelf to fall onto Scotty's father, crushing him. Dad, no! Scotty cries out as his father weakly attempts to crawl out from under the wreckage. Suddenly, he turns around to a much greater fear, Phoebe inching ever closer. Scotty notices the bag of Morpheus nearby and scrambles to grab it, but to no avail, Phoebe stomps on his hand, nearly breaking it. After all that talk about messing with people's families, you're still trying to steal what's rightfully mine? 
She growls as Scotty cries in pain, grabbing his hand. She stands over him, drool running down her chin and dripping onto his body. What's the matter? Upset about dear old daddy? She asks wickedly. She stares down at Scotty, whose face is covered in dirt, sweat, and tears. She leans down and smiles at him, raising a claw into the air. Don't worry, Legacy. You'll be joining him soon. Bang! Scotty doubles back in shock as the wolf's head seems to disappear, exploding in a black puff of smoke. The beast falls to its knees, revealing its shooter, Scotty's mother. He stands in shock and rushes over to her, embracing her. Mom! Mom, I I, I can't, I, I... Scotty breaks down crying in his mother's arms as she casually empties the rest of the gun clip into the beast on the ground. No time for talking, son, she remarks, pushing him back. Those bullets won't stop her for long. You need to get her into this cage and take her to the safe house. It's the only place they can't find. Mom! Scotty cries as she enters the shed, beginning to toss the beast into a specialized cage, assumedly to prevent godly creatures from escaping. It's then that Scotty notices a familiar symbol decorating the back of his mother's jacket. The symbol of the middleman. You're a... a middleman? She smiles, shutting the cage and handing it to Scotty. Yeah, no, I'm... I'm no middleman. I'm their leader. Scotty's eyes grow wide as his mother begins to exit the shed. Suddenly, he looks to the back corner where his father lay motionless. Mom! Scotty calls, rushing over to his father. I... I think it... Fuck. It... Your father was a good man. And an excellent agent. She sighs as Scotty breaks down crying over the side of his father's crushed body. She picks up her son and holds him tight. And I know that we've raised you to be just as good of a man, but... But what? Scotty asks as she leans down to her husband's body, holding back tears. She quietly removes the middleman pin from his jacket and stands, handing it to Scotty. But now I need you to prove that you're just as good of an agent. She sighs, composing herself. Take that damned thing home, track down Morpheus, and maybe then we'll start getting these bastards back where they belong. What about Dad? Scotty asks, looking over at his father. I'll take care of him. Now go. As Scotty walks out of the shed and back to the safe house, he shook with fear. The fear that he wasn't going to be good enough. The fear that he was going to ruin the reputation of the middlemen. The fear that he was going to be the one to end the world. And inside of that cage he was holding, Phoebe smiled. Chapter 15. Death in the Family. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Scotty keeps repeating to himself mantra-like as he stares forward. The events of the previous day had shaken him to his very core. He stares down at the cage which contained Fevator and sighs, praying she not waken. Fuck. You are right back there, man. The voice of the Jamaican Uber driver that Scotty had called not ten minutes prior rings out. You seem a little bit off. What? Scotty's head shoots up as the Uber driver speaks. He shakes his head, attempting to run away from his thoughts. Uh, no, no, man. I I'm good. Ah, uh, that's good to hear, my friend. Uh, you looked all freaked out when I showed up. 
At this moment, the cage begins furiously rattling next to Scotty. The hero quickly holds it down, attempting to prevent it from any further shaking. So, what you got in the cage, man? You ever see it? Scotty finally replies after the cage settles down. The driver looks in the rear view, confused as he gives a nod. Yeah, imagine if that thing fucked Freddy Krueger. And that's what's in that cage. He replies, eyes glued on the rearview mirror. Oh, nah, nah. Scotty finally replies with a small smirk. This is much worse. Sue, initiate relaxation protocol B. Blake smirks as he lays on his back, sipping from an apple teeny. Robotic hands come down from the ceiling and begin massaging him as he smirks. Classical music faintly plays in the background as he calmly rests. Blam! The door is kicked open to the trailer as Scotty stomps in, carrying the cage in one hand and the bag of Morpheus in the other. He tosses the bag on the desk as Blake follows him to the kitchen table. He sets the cage down as Blake stares concerned. You okay there, buddy? Blake asks as Scotty stares down, wide-eyed at the cage. What you got in there? The fucker that killed my dad. Scotty answers as he pulls off the sheet to reveal a small bunny rabbit. Its nose twitches as it begins to hop about the small cage. That killed your dad? Blake raises an eyebrow. Is it from Monty Python? Fuck, no, it's... Scotty stares at the rabbit, enraged. It's a shapeshifter. It was that thing on the highway, then a wolf, and then... Scotty, it's fine. Blake places a hand on Scotty's shoulder. I understand. I'm just saying, this thing is supposed to turn into nightmares, right? I don't know who exactly has nightmares about bunny rabbits. I swear to God, show him who you really are. Show him your powers. Scotty begins shaking the cage violently, causing the bunny to squeal in fear, taking refuge in a nearby corner. Blake pries Scotty away from the cage before he can do any permanent damage. Look, buddy, it's okay. Blake sighs, pulling Scotty away from the cage. You just got outsmarted. It's fine. She replaced herself with a rabbit to give the cage some weight and ran off. It's all right. I'm telling you, I'm not crazy. Scotty yells, trying to stand. That's her. I haven't let that cage out of my sight. There's no way she's had time to run away. Scotty, you've had a long day. Blake smiles, standing. But that rabbit is nothing. We'll just let it out in the morning and move on. I mean, we're going to find these guys, but wabbit season over there is just a false lead. I guess so. Scotty sighs, placing his head into his hands. Blake stands to go to the kitchen as Scotty looks up. Mind getting me some whiskey? Sure thing. Blake comments as he exits the room. Scotty stares down, wondering how he was taken so easily by Phoebe. His mother promised him the cage would hold her. How did she escape? It's then that Scotty hears a demonic laugh coming from behind him. A demonic laugh uttering from a small bunny rabbit. Terrifying, isn't it? Phoebe laughs from her small furry form. To be so utterly convinced of something only to be proven wrong. To feel completely and totally crazy. That's your nightmare, isn't it, boy? To feel insane. To go crazy. To lose control of those thoughts that you love so much. Fuck you. Scotty smirks, whispering to the rabbit.
You think you've bested me? No, no, no. You played your hand far too early, sweetheart. We were going to let you escape. Let you hop on out of here. But now, now you're stuck with us. Oh, really? She smiles up at him and bounces around, playing like a bunny. And you think old Blakey boy will let you just obsess over a rabbit? He's going to think you've gone crazy and set me free, breaking your little friendship apart, because I know that's what really terrifies you. Losing him. Well, you know you're right about that. Scotty smiles, standing up. I am absolutely terrified of losing him, but you were wrong about one thing. What? She asks nervously as Scotty folds his arms, smiling. He points a finger and she slowly turns around to face Blake Tanner, holding out a glass of whiskey for Scotty. Yeah, you see, I don't think Scotty's going crazy. Blake smirks as Scotty sips down his beverage. He's my best friend. I knew he went crazy long before today. Fuck! She growls, transforming from a rabbit into a giant python in a puff of smoke. She attempts to break the bonds of the cage, but it proves too strong. She struggles, transforming into large animals, attempting to break her restraints. All of her attempts, however, prove futile as she once again returns to her rabbit form. Have fun there? Scotty asks as she stares up at him exhausted. He covers up her cage once again. Hey, Sue, do we have anywhere to keep this thing? Creature containment protocol activated. The robotic voice calls as two hands come from the ceiling and carry the cage away, containing Fevator temporarily in the bowels of the trailer. Blake and Scotty smile at each other, clinking their glasses in approval. Meanwhile, on the other side of town, a familiar Jamaican Uber driver steps out of his car, smiling. He looks down at an address that he had jotted down not two hours ago. The address of a hidden-away trailer near Oxford, Alabama. He quietly slides the address into his pocket while chuckling. Gotcha. Okay, look. If you're going to get mad at me for killing the dad, you're also going to have to get mad at the people who wrote the Spider-Man, the Batman... Frozen, every single superhero movie ever. Killing parents is an essential part of the hero building process. You know the old saying, you can't make an omelet without killing a few dads. And this was the omelet making episode, as it were. This is the point in the hero's journey where he has already been introduced into a bizarre new world with the middlemen and all of this bizarre thing going around and now we see how he adapts to this new world and I will say he is a bit of an ass kicker he cannot kick the whole ass perhaps only a percentage maybe 37% of an ass but he still uh, he still holds his own also of course you get to meet Phoebe in this episode who is one of my favorite characters cr- to create because I do very much enjoy the uh, the cryptids and the idea of uh, all of the cryptids on earth from the Loch Ness monster to the Bigfoot all being uh, creations of Phoebe I really much enjoyed so she was a fun character to create and of course it's the end the whole twist was her becoming a bunny 
and uh, the big will they won't they is it her is it not which of course is readily resolved I, I enjoyed it because it showed a little bit of the psyche of Scotty, one of our main characters. It allowed to show the psyche of he's very worried about losing people close to him. He's worried about losing Blake. He's worried about losing his parents, which, of course, he did just have to lose his father, which we know is going to be a very difficult transition for him. And it's something that kind of gives credence to the rest of the adventure. If anyone knows these two going into the book, it is very easy to assume that they are lazy. They hear of the middlemen. They hear of this organization, so therefore they would both think, oh, there's no reason for us to get involved. There's a whole there's a whole organization, but now there is a personal reason for them to get involved, specifically the whole dad death omelet that we spoke of. So it is a very uh, intense couple of chapters. Hopefully it calms down. Maybe, maybe not. Tune in next week. But of course, until then, ladies and gentlemen, remember to support the BS boys on the Patreon. Patreon.com slash a load of BS. All the money goes to goes to them. None of it comes to me. Unfortunately, um, I still do have to make my money writing, uh, writing Dilbert comics. He is... Not a kind man, that Dilbert creator, but still, it's a nice way to make money is through Dilbert. I went to Yale for this. Anyways, support us there. Support us by picking up merch at merch.alordofpurebs.com. But like I said, I don't see any of it, so it really doesn't matter to me if you... Hey! No, no, I wasn't... What do you think you're doing? You're doing it again. No, I know last week I was out of turn, but for now... Look, I I understand, okay? I understand. No, You don't make money off of this. You still wrote the book. You still get the money from the book. Good for you. You did it. Blah, blah, blah. We just need additional money. It's okay. Can't wait for this series is over so I can fire him. See you next time.